Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and ask us. The more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer Incorporated a not-for-profit charity set up in 2012 by myself, Dr. Joe Williams. If you want to know any more information about PROST, including our online service now available, please just go to prost.com.au. PROST means cheers to your health, so PROST to you. So stop for a second and listen. It's not silent at all. Hello Penis Project podcasters, today we'll be speaking to Paul. Paul is 75 years of age and very fit. He has recently completed the Bustleton Jetty Swim, which is 3.6 kilometres, and he swims approximately 17 kilometres a week. At 75 years of age, this is no mean feat. I don't think there's many people who could do it at 40 years of age. So we're all living longer and the World Health Organisation predicts that by 2050 there will be 2 billion people aged 60 plus with 434 million over 80 years of age. However, we might be living longer, but the quality of these extra years for most of us is poor. It doesn't have to be this way. You will hear how Paul's passion, stickability and enthusiasm has kept him youthful and most of all, healthy. Paul had robotic prostate removal in June of 2019. He had some difficult issues to deal with along the way, but he has done it. He is an inspiration to us all. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Okay, so welcome, Paul, to the Penis Project. Now, you had your prostate removed back in May of 2019. That's correct. By robotic surgery. So tell us about that. How did, it, how did you feel when you first got diagnosed and how did you, how did, what did you decide and how did you come up with that decision? Well, that's a little bit of a long story. Um, it, um, it was a slow progression because, of course, you uh, have the PSA tests uh, over some period of time and slowly you realise there's something wrong with mm-hmm. the prostate. And it starts, of course, with um, with urinary problems, just uh, being able to uh, relieve yourself. Uh, but then, and I was used to doing the PSA test, when it was diagnosed, um, I think I was just realised that had something had to be done. I, I don't think I, I sweated over it. Um, I think I just took it as uh, realism and that uh, many people have to do it. And I just went straight into the discussions with the urologist. Uh, What did happen, though, was that the first urologist I was uh, uh, meeting with only did open radical surgery and he didn't do robotic. Now, because I do a lot of swimming, 
I wasn't prepared to have an, uh, an incision with a scalpel from my belly button down to my pubic area <laughs> and put me right back in my training. So zone. was that because you didn't want to have your six-pack looking not yeah. so hot at the pool or was it because <laughs> you just wanted the functionality? I wish I had that six-pack. <laughs> but I had reasonable fitness in the core. And mm. so I um, elected for... A uh, keyhole, I thought it was initially, and I was told that uh, uh, that's been uh, superseded by robotic. Yep. And so that ended um, ended the uh, dealings with that urologist, and then I was referred up uh, to Perth to a new urologist. Mm-hmm. And we just went through the discussion of um, what had to be done and uh, the uh, difficulty. I think it was going to be somewhere between four and five hours, yep. which uh, surprised me enormously. But I was very impressed with the equipment yep. and how that whole operation uh, is um, is completed with uh, six punctures. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It is amazing. And have you ever seen – did you actually get to see what the robot looked like? I did. But I saw that uh, – not in Perth, but I saw that uh, on the internet. I mm. looked at the whole surgery mm. being done because it came out of America, that uh, particular yeah. uh, uh, procedure, and so I did watch it. But it didn't frighten me. Yeah, good. And so, actually, that brings me to a point I was going to ask you later, but I'll ask you now. So, pain. Did you have uh, heaps of men say to me when I see them pre-op, they go, "Oh, is it going to be painful? Did you have pain after your robotic surgery?" Oh, very, very little. I was surprised. Um, in fact, you have to be very careful that you respect the fact that your internal organs have been um, uh, removed. Uh, moved around, interfered with, and that your body's gone through a lot of trauma. But I, I, I felt I could have gone back to uh, swim training in two weeks, but I just uh, steeled myself not to do it because uh, I knew that my body would have been healing. But I, I was told to wait six weeks, but uh, I went for four. <laughs> But interesting, it's interesting because I always see, you know, lots of guys go, oh, I feel so good, I can go back to work. And I'll go, no, just rest for a while. Exactly. But uh, I was told that um, you could walk yes. and you should walk every mm-hmm. day. And I thought, well, if you can walk up the street, you can walk in a swimming pool. <laughs> and I had to get back to that swimming pool as quickly as possible. So uh, for another couple of weeks, I just walked up and down in the shallow, uh, in the shallow end. And did about 10 uh, laps of 25 metres and then I got out. And I I still waited until uh, the six weeks before I threw an arm over and started actual swimming. Great. Okay. And so from – you were really proactive when you first got diagnosed. Like I remember you telling me that you saw True North, which is an offshoot of Movember. And you also contacted the Cancer Council and the Prostate Cancer Foundation Australia. Did you find – did you get lots of helpful information from them and would you advise other people do that? Uh, Yes, I, I think I would, and in every case, it's a little bit different. Uh, I probably got the most support from um, True North. Okay. Um, unfortunately, that program has now ceased. Mm. Uh, the second one was the Prostate Council yeah. of Australia. Uh, they were excellent, and in fact, um, they sent me pads and pull-up nappies <laughs> and disgusted at some length. I was a bit horrified, actually. But they said to me, you might as well get your mind ready for mm. all this beforehand. So how did you feel when they all arrived in the mail? Uh, took me probably a day to open them, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I knew it was coming, so there was no big deal on that. Yeah. That, that okay, fine. cool. And now talking about pads, you mentioned pad disposal initially. So you were leaking a lot at the beginning. Like you had a rough time. Up, uh, 
I did. Uh, uh, at worst, it was a, a litre and a half a day. Oh, I mean, it's awful. And that was about seven pads. Mm. And uh, that was uh, very off-putting. I was a bit distressed about all that. And, in fact, I told uh, Joe when I eventually saw her that my head was in a very dark place. Mm. And I was, uh, I was a bit depressed. I wouldn't say uh, I was suffering from depression, but I was pretty sad about it all. And But uh, Joe, Joe gave me a lot of um, confidence, actually, and made me feel much better every time I saw her. And I think I was seeing her about once a month. Yep. And... Um, Slowly it came down and came down, but um, the disposal was an issue. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I was going to the. Uh, sometimes I ducked into a woman's toilet. Actually, <laughs> I, I'd look left and look right, and then I'd duck in and lock the door, just so I could dispose of them. Because there was no disposal in the men's toilets, mm. uh, unisex toilets. Uh, in most of them, there is, and I was using them in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the biggest issue then. Yeah, have you heard about the bins for blokes program and the and I, that? Have you? I don't know much about it actually. I've I've heard it in uh, terminology, but mm. I don't know the. So it's a big initiative that was actually we've got a, <coughs> a podcast on it, and um, it was initially started by one of our patients' wives who came up with this idea, and it is supposed to be getting rolled out all over Australia where they'll have bins for blokes in the toilets, but it hasn't happened yet because of COVID interrupted everything. But I think it's kind of on track to get happening this year. And I think it'll make a big difference for guys because nothing worse than walking around with a wet pad, I imagine. Oh, I agree. I think it's a great concept. Actually, it was interesting uh, cont- when, when you're leaking to be able to go to the swimming pool. Oh, yeah. And uh, I would actually put about five or six tissues down the front of my swimming uh, gear. Uh, it didn't matter once you were wet, mm. but to walk to the pool and talk to other people with the wet front mm. was very embarrassing. Oh, so, so you have uh, to wear like your budgie, black budgie smugglers. Exactly. And uh, so uh, that was for several months I had to oh. do that. And then what happened though to the tissues when you got in the pool? We bought good ones. Yeah. <laughs> And they didn't disintegrate. Oh, good. And it was just a matter of uh, going into the change rooms. And when all the other guys had turned their back, I quickly ripped mm. them out and threw them in the bin. One, it would have had the added bonus of making it look like you had a large package down there. The guys don't <laughs> care about that. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Okay. So, yeah. And so post-surgery, like, a- apart from the incontinence, was there anything else you were worried about? Like, I mean, getting back into your exercise and the- your fitness that you lost? Was that a concern for you? Oh, it was a major concern, actually. The, uh, I, whilst I felt all right, my fitness had dropped away dramatically. Mm. And uh, I, I'm sure your body was uh, still trying to recover mm-hmm. in one way or another. And, yes, it took me some time to get back to uh, the fitness level I was uh, prior to surgery. But it did come around. How long did it take you? It's hard to say, really. Uh, I can't really put a number on that, but uh, uh, probably uh, three months or more. Because I think you told me you're swimming better times now than you were pre-op. Is that right? That's correct. But, uh, <laughs> I'm putting more kilometres into it too. So, yeah, how, roughly like how many days a week are you training? Oh, on average about four. Yeah. Uh, when it gets uh, close to major competitions, uh, up to six, mm-hmm. but uh, typically four. And so you're 75 Correct. and you're obviously really fit. Are there many other people your age in your swim club? Uh, one other. Yeah. He's my nemesis. <laughs> we 
we compete uh, directly against each other wherever possible. Yeah. Uh, but most of the people are about 10 to 15 years younger. Yeah, okay. But when it comes to uh, swimming, you forget about age. You just want to uh, do better. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, really all age is irrelevant really when you get into any kind of endurance sport. You know, walking, hiking, you know, and exercise is so, like, good. Well, there are people who are much younger that still don't swim very well. Yeah. And yeah. no one no one uh, uh, comments on that. Mm. Whatever, whatever your standard is, that's your standard. Yeah, as long as you're moving. Everyone's supportive. So how – because I'm not sure I might have this wrong, but I got to the, Im- the impression that this real – like you really got into physical fitness later on in life, didn't you? You were fit earlier, but this has been a, a late love. I was generally healthy and fit. Uh, and I used to do scuba diving mm-hmm. and uh, uh, a lot of bushwalking. But I remember it was uh, 2014. I was invited uh, – we were in, in Victoria then. And I was invited out to a party and overdid it. And agreed to do anything. And uh, the lady said, <laughs> why don't you swim tomorrow morning in the surf at 7.30? And I said, yeah, 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 that'll be fine. And I found I was really struggling. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I came back to WA, um, I decided I was going to improve on that. And I found I could only swim. Uh, in 2015, I, I could swim roughly 200 metres. And now you can swim the Bustleton Jetty Swim. Exactly. And train up to six kilometres. In a day? In a, yes. Yeah. So so how old were you then when you started? Uh, 69, I think. Yeah. Wow. So it, It's all about uh, what you want to do. If you if you set some goal and you want to do that, you get into it. Mm. Some people just don't care about swimming. That's okay. They might be runners. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the sport runners. is. It's just keeping moving is the most important exactly. thing. If you exactly. don't use it, you lose it. Exactly. I remember... Um, the surgeon who uh, did the operation, uh, because I'm uh, just running up to two years uh, this May, mm-hmm. uh, post-operation, and uh, the last uh, interview we had, which was the 18-month one, he said, keep swimming. He said, the research says that um, you're uh, less likely to have a reoccurrence of cancer if you keep up uh, strong exercise. Definitely, yeah. All the research point points really well to that exercise prevents um, cancer return. You know, it's obviously good for your heart. It's good for your muscles. It's mm. great for your joints. Mm. So that's another point that I think is really interesting. So you had a bone scan, didn't you, um, at the beginning of all this journey and found out that you had quite severe degeneration of your spine and your knees. That's right. Um, and in fact, uh, my GP uh, called me and said, I want to see you in the surgery. And I thought, oh, geez, this is bad. And uh, he said to me, what analgesics are you on uh, mm. for all this uh, bad arthritis? And I said, I'm not on any. Mm. And he uh, said, well, uh, do you want me to prescribe some? And I said, no, not really. And really, I'm sore uh, first thing in the morning when I get out of bed. And that's I'm it? I'm stiff. And probably within a half an hour or more, uh, that uh, pain is uh, really goes in the background. Yeah. And uh, I'm right for the day. Uh, after I do a long swim, I'm a little bit sore in the back. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm fine. Yeah, okay. And I mean, you know, isn't it, it just goes to show that like what you see on an x-ray isn't necessarily what the person's experiencing. Oh, exactly. But uh, the arthritis in the knees, I couldn't run more than 400 metres uh, to save myself, actually. Yeah. But in the back, I seem to be able to control that. But that's, I mean, swimming is such a good sport for people with arthritis as well, because you get to move everything without 
the extra weight, like the, the you're getting support from the water. That's so correct. Yeah, that's correct. So you're looking after your heart, you're looking after your muscles, but you're like kind of supporting your bones. So exactly. it's a really good option. It's a great option for you know people as they age, swimming or walking in a pool. It's excellent. Well, I think um, people. Uh, Forget about the uh, acrobics, mm. which is walking and exercising in a pool. You don't have to be doing laps to no. get the benefit out of the pool. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I think that's a really good. And what about, so since you've been fitter, because you're obviously much fitter now than you were when you first started. Correct. Um, like, do you feel like that's changed your mental clarity and your mood and things like that? <laughs> <laughs> didn't expect that one, did uh, you? No, I didn't. <laughs> and in fact, I think I'm more intense. <laughs> Because you, um, when you're swimming with uh, a, a number of other people, you're always comparing times with them, and um, yeah, I'm probably a bit uh, too fanatical about it actually. About the swimming. About the swimming, I, I, I'm probably a little harder to live with, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but what about? Do you feel like it's affected your mind? Like, do you think it? Like I think, and the research shows that you know people who are exercising, they're sharper. They're like quicker with everything, not just to do with their sport. Oh, definitely, I'm definitely sharper. <laughs> <laughs> what else would I say? I really want to ask your wife that. <laughs> right now, oranges. There's something you've got a story about oranges. Joe put you onto this, and I hadn't heard this until you told me about this little orange story. So I'd like you to share us what is. It's not an apple a day. It's an orange a day. Why exactly. is that? I've been having uh, an orange probably now for. A, couple of years every morning um i had a meeting with joe once and i was telling her that uh this constipation was really troubling me and that's fairly common mm. after operations and she told me that um uh, an orange can improve uh, improve the uh, condition so i thought i'll give it a go and and it did i was taking uh movicol yeah yeah initially and I sort of wound that back and uh, just have an orange every day and that seemed to um, improve it so I've continued on. With an orange? Still do it. So that's it? Apples are out? Oranges are in? Navels. Navels are the one but (laughs) you can try Valencia as well. (laughs) And it can't be the juice can it because the the actual orange has the fibre. That's correct and what people don't realise is uh, a large glass of orange juice takes about is equivalent to about six oranges. That's just in excess. It's too and much you sugar. You don't get the fibre. No, yeah. way too much sugar and no fibre. Exactly. Yeah. I always tell my patients whenever I see them, do not drink any juice. Fruit juice is like having candy. Having a piece of fruit is great. And you should eat other fruits as well. I mean, yeah. Plums and apricots. Yeah. <laughs> They're so expensive at yeah, the moment. exactly. Oranges are cheap. I, I had a bad experience with an orange once. I'm not an orange fan, but I might have to change that. I had this experience, actually, I'll tell you. It was quite disgusting. I was about 10 years old. And I went to Rottnest on a boat with my parents and I thought it would be fun to stick just my thumb in the orange and then suck the juice out of it, like squeeze it. But I did it and then when I opened the orange up to eat the inside, it was black, rancid and off and I wondered why it tasted funny. And I've really not really been that great about oranges ever since. I've, they kind of just the idea of them sort of put me off a bit. And it's bizarre that such a memory sticks in my head for like 40 years. But anyway, so... Prostate cancer support groups. Uh, you're in one? I am. We meet uh, once a month. It's the uh, uh, group of people that typically of um, at various stages mm-hmm. of their cancer. Majority of people of um, one or two years and usually we have one or two new people come along. Yeah. And uh, in fact, uh, 
I first went to my meeting before I had the prostate surgery <laughs> and that was a real eye-opener. <laughs> Why? I, think, I, I went home quite saddened actually to think what was ahead of me. But um, it was a realism and that's yeah. what this is all about. You've yeah. got to know what's coming. And uh, I've, because I got such a benefit from it, I got support from other men there, that um, I continue, and even though mine is passed by nearly two years, I go along at those meetings and support others as such. Mm. And it's been quite a good social network too, that group that you're in, isn't it? it, it, it some of it is. Yep. Um, we keep in contact a little bit, but um, it's mainly what goes on at the meeting actually. Yeah, okay. Mm. Yep. And sorry, we kind of brushed over your incontinence. So we talked about the fact that you were really heavily incontinent, like you're losing over a litre a day at one stage, and then that improved slowly over time. But you never really got on top of it, did you? So what what happened there? Well, it came down enormously mm. um, over the months until eventually I was getting it around uh, – to uh, between 20 mil to about 60 mil mm -hmm. and I measured it for... <laughs> I've seen the graph. I know you measured it. <laughs> I measured it because as much as anything, I wanted to know when the leakage was yep. and how it related to things I was doing. And what did you find with that? I found that um, don't run up and down a ladder. Yeah. That's particularly bad. <laughs> <laughs> a bending over in the garden, uh, standing up, bending over, that was particularly bad. Mm -hmm. But the normal activities... Um, it was uh, under control in terms of just a modest amount. Around about for a long time was 100, 150 mil. Over the day? Over, over 24 hours, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it came down to about 20 to 40 to 50. Mm -hmm. And that went on for some months. Yeah. And I didn't look like, and I spoke to Joe about it, and it didn't look like that was going to improve. Mm. So um, that w I think that was at about 12 or 13 months post-operation. And she said, well, you might think about the uh, um, advanced um, sling. Uh, sling operation, mm -hmm. which I did. And I, I chose a surgeon and uh, up here in Perth. Um, and we went over the, uh, the fact that you have to do what they call a urodynamic test first. Yeah. And that checks to see whether uh, you are a good candidate for it. And uh, through the camera, you could see how the uh, sphincter muscle had been opening and closing, but just didn't quite close on mm. relaxation yeah. and was unlikely to. But the other test showed that I was a good candidate. So I just said, oh, well, let's get on with it. And uh, this is a way, one way to go. And how, what, are you glad you did it? I am because I have no leakage at the moment. Great. It didn't necessarily turn, would necessarily turn out that way because sometimes they don't work. Yeah. But I think uh, that uh, my predecision was uh, was correct and that that has worked. So I'm pleased about that. And did you, now if I remember correctly and tell me if I'm wrong, you had a bit of pain after that surgery though, didn't you? Because you didn't have pain after the initial surgery, but I think this did give you some pain. I had a lot of pain. Yeah, I thought so. Went on for four weeks. Yeah. And uh, I, I initially thought that there was something wrong mm. and there was no exercising. I was taking it very easily uh, and, uh, no, it was very, very uh, stressful actually, uh, sitting down because they, they cut open at the, at the perineum, mm. which is just what you sit on virtually. Yes. And uh, that was... Uh, so for those of you who don't know what the perineum is, it's the bit of skin between the bottom of your testicles and the anus 
And so you, it also is called the gooch by my son who and his mates apparently. That's what you call it if you're in your 20s. And I had a patient tell me the other day that he calls it the chin rest, which I thought was quite funny. But anyway, just think about that, Paul. I can see the confused look on your face. <laughs> anyway, so they cut your perineum yep, or your gooch. And that was very painful. Yeah. Nothing you could do about it. I just had to wet it out. Yeah. And okay. I, I didn't take uh, any uh, painkillers for it. I just uh, – I did sit on a, one of those whoopee-type cushions. Yeah. Um, uh, to take it. That was mm, slight benefit. Um, I just had to wait my time out. So and have you I got any pain now then? Um, no. I have a twinge just here and there, but no. No, not really. Mm. Very comfortable now. It took a little bit of time to, uh, after six weeks even, mm. for all the discomfort to completely go. Right. And so given that what you know now about the pain, but you're, but you're dry, would you go back and do it again? Or would you put up with the leakage? Uh, no, I think I'd go back and do it again. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So you don't have to walk into the pool now with a tissue wrapped <laughs> around right. the end of your old fella. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. So that's good. So that was a good thing. And so I have found, I have this theory that men like yourself who are like high achievers and you set a goal and you aim for it, seem to be a little bit more emotionally negative fe- affected by things such as the incontinence, like it's frustrating because you, every other situation in your life, you've probably been able to set a goal and then work towards it and achieve it. But this is a situation where you worked so hard at your continence, there was nothing else you could do and you didn't hit the goal. Was that frustrating? Um, I, th- I think I was just looking for the answer. Yeah. Uh, looking to, um, uh, looking for something to hang on to that you could do to get over it because I... I generally believed that was not going to be my life of yeah. incontinence. Mm. And uh, so when the uh, the concept of the sling came along, I thought, oh, well, this is the uh, the wonderful answer I was looking for. Yeah. And I just automatically thought I'd go for it. Yeah, you just fix it. Yep, fix it up. And have you life. been up a ladder since you've had the sling in? Uh, yeah, several times. And nothing? Nothing. Oh, so no, I work in the garden, I raise my mouth. No, I've not done. The only thing where I get a little leakage is if I have uh, too many glasses of uh, champagne or wine. Yes. Uh, yep. One or two, fine. When you get to four, you're, you're hopeless. At your uh, age, you shouldn't be having that many. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's one of the things. And the other is um, if uh, uh, if I leave it too long. Yeah. Sometimes you're out and about and there's no toilet nearby mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you are, to use the expression, bursting to go. Yeah. Uh, as we sometimes say. And I might get leakage then. Yeah. And that re- what that really is doing is just pushing the whole system to its end point. Yeah. And I, but it's not a large leakage, only a, only a very small amount and, mm. and I just brush that off and it doesn't worry me at all. Mm. Okay. And your PSAs now, how have they been? Undetectable. Great. Yeah, good. 18 months, undetectable. Less than 0.02, I think they say. Excellent. And uh, so I'm hoping for the same in May, which Mm -hmm. is my next one. Yeah. I'm a realist that I know that prostate cancer can reappear Mm -hmm. many, many years down the track. I know someone that's uh, come back after 10 years. Yeah. So um, that's okay. You live your life as well as you can. I've got what I have now and I'll just keep up the PSA test and there's other things you can do if it uh, pops up again. Yeah, good. Mm. And 
So you've, what's your goal now? Now you told me that you went and saw someone this morning. You've got a new goal on the horizon. What's that? <laughs> that was a sports physiotherapist um, trying to improve my <laughs> swimming time. Great. <laughs> I think that's uh, so good. Yeah, spent an hour with, uh, with her and uh, she uh, has given me <laughs> more exercises. Like I don't need them. Yes, and you do. You love it. <laughs> you lo- you've lived for this stuff. Well, they're, they're always specific. As soon as you identify what the weakness is, mm-hmm. you get an exercise for it. Yeah. And that's what I do. And a few uh, uh, swimming drills to, to improve. Because that's what I mean. You're, you're so driven about goal focused, aren't you? It's like, this is my goal. I'm going to get there, whatever and it takes. my Canadian friend who I've beaten him in races and he beat me around the Bustleton jetty by a minute. Right. Over an hour. It was an hour and 16 minutes. Is he the same minute. age as you? Uh, he's six months uh, younger, so oh, that's why... That's his minute, yeah. That's, it. that's, that's his it. minute. Yeah. God, he's and just a young'un. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to pick up that minute and um, uh, I've got a year to do it. So watch out, Mr Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's after you. So what have you got any takeaway messages to give anybody that's listening? Um, I suppose I have, really. Uh, one is to... Um, Keep up the PSA test. Mm-hmm. Um, even my son, who's just over 40, I've convinced him to start the PSA test now. And mm-hmm. that was nice and clear. So that's good. But he's on the train to keep watching them forever and a day. Good. And I'd recommend, uh, oh, certainly people in the 50s and 60s, uh, they've got to do those PSA tests. And a lot of doctors are not recommending it. GPs. GPs. Mm. It's because they get very mixed, confused messages from... From the Royal College of GPs, there's a, there is a lot of misdemeanors and confusing messages, I think, out there. Well, we uh, need better guidelines. We really do. I think we do too. But I, I'd recommend PSA test. Um, the other one is don't pro- procrastinate. If mm-hmm. you think you're on that journey, you get in and do your, I say, your pelvic floor exercises. See a good uh, urologist and follow his advice. And I think you know you're a real inspiration that you're so active at. Your age. I mean, a lot of guys who are in their seventies are sitting in their chair, not doing much. So, you know, what what's your what's your message to people out there your age that's never too late to get started? And what should they do? Well, the fact that I got uh, started at sixty nine mm, exactly. serious swimming and was an absolute dud to start with. <laughs> um, you can do whatever you like, and uh, I don't know what it is that inspires people, but it's got to come from within. And if you feel like you'd like to do something. Get out and do some exercising of one sort or another, whether it's kayaking or swimming or uh, riding a bicycle. But uh, I think some sort of exercise is important, but um, it's got to come from your soul. You've got to really want to do it. I agree. Uh, but I, I would say don't overlook clubs. I think clubs are important. Uh, the friendship and the talk and getting together with other men um, – finding out um, how you can improve a little bit more. And uh, I think clubs are very important in that uh, in that activity. Yeah, I agree. And I just think that the message is just find something you like doing. Like it doesn't actually matter what physical activity is as long as you like it. I you know? like it. Yeah, like because it. you're not going to d- stick with anything that you don't like. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for coming in today and chatting to us. And, um, yeah, thanks a lot. It's great. Inspiration. My pleasure. Tell you about a boy who lives inside me. It's been there all of my life. Hi, 
This is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our program today. And we're pleased to let you know that we will be having weekly podcasts, not fortnightly, as originally proposed. And this is because of the popularity of our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions, and so much feedback. And Melissa and I greatly appreciate it. What we'd really love you to do is share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download off Spotify or subscribe to thepenisproject.org and then you'll get a weekly email of our newest releases. Also feel free to send us a review and this will greatly help in our ongoing ability to bring you new and fresh information as that's the way we build what comes next. We also have show notes attached and this gives a bit of a background into any additional resources or explanations of what we're talking about. Finally, it's my great pleasure to let you know that PROST, the exercise program which sponsors our podcast, is now available on a USB resource for any man diagnosed with prostate cancer, an exercise program. Clinicians can buy these as well as the everyday bloke. So feel free to check out prost.com.au. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Those dread dark days, I learned to value each and every one of those warm afternoons. Boys on their bikes, shooting stones at each other through the trees.